Hey, this is Dan Payne. You might know me as King Beast and Descendants, King Shark on the Flash, or maybe even Captain Gracker from Aliens Ate My Homework. You are listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. Yo, I did it. With interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the man cave, your host, Elias. Dan, uh, welcome to the cave. Thanks for having me, Elias. How are you, man? What's new with you? I'm doing well, you know, just uh, kicking the dad gig as best I can. There's no manual. And then on top of that, uh, whatever film stuff I can get going, I'm into it. So, Wouldn't it be nice if we got a manual before we became parents? Right? I waited. <laughs> it just it never came. <laughs> I, think we're, I think I'm still waiting for that manual to show up. Yeah, thank goodness for my wife. She's, uh, she's on it like crazy. So I agree. I agree. How old are your kids? They're 10 and turning 8 in a week. Ugh. Right, great. How many do you have? Two? Just two, yeah. Two boys, Eli and Grayson. They're oh, awesome. Oh, nice. I have a, I have a two-year-old boy and a four-year-old daughter, and my life is hectic. You are in the thick of it, brother. Oh. <laughs> so you've been busy the last few years, huh? Numerous TV and movie appearances, and uh, you're on the hit Disney's uh, Descendants, and we'll talk about that, but I want the listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, where are you originally from? So I was born in Victoria, and... Uh, in, in bc and we moved a lot when i was a kid my dad was in the coal mine industry and he's a workaholic and every time he got promoted it meant uh good things for him and, and a move for us so i moved i believe we counted 16 or 17 different houses over the course of 17 years oh wow was that all in canada yes yeah we were uh we dominated the canadian uh countryside Wow. But it's great because being nomadic like that, I had a brother. I have a brother and a sister, both younger than me, and we just became the best of friends. And uh, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So as a kid growing up, uh, what were you into? Well, I grew up in the era where you were supposed to go outside and play and come back when the lights came on, uh, the street lights. So we were into uh, building tree forts, getting lost. Um, you know, skulking around in the trees, trying to find wildlife and, and playing street hockey. You know, Canadian, have to, right? Yeah. Is that I, part, of the, part I, of the deal? I remember those days, man. Now it's tough, man, with all the technology and everything. Kids don't want to go outside anymore. And I get it. It's a de- like every, I think every generation has their thing to deal with. And I've asked my dad what our generation's thing was that he had to deal with. And we couldn't quite put our finger on it. But I know for me, especially and you with kids, it's now about how much do we allow them to be iParented. I, I, you know, an iPad is almost an iParent. And I joke, I'm like, hey, take the iParent for a half hour. I need a break. Yeah. But, you know, how, how much of that is, is good to keep them from being Luddites and, and excommunicated from their friend group? And how much is too much? And then you lose them and they're like addicts lost in a world of digital nightmares. I don't know. It's, and that's a tough world for me right now to navigate. Oh yeah, I mean, like we have my daughter has like a little, you know, little Amazon tablet. We let her watch like her Disney shows once in a while because we're tired of having Disney on the TV all the time. <laughs> well, my kids are like, Dad, you want to come play Fortnite? And I suck. I'm gonna be honest. I just all they do is like, Dad, what are you doing? You're terrible. And I'm like, Yeah, I, I really am at this. <laughs> but, you know, it's fun. It's hanging out. It's yeah. good. 
So uh, growing up, you said you know you were into different things. Uh, how did you? Uh, I read online that you played volleyball. Yeah, I was really fortunate that a lot of doors opened up uh, for sports. And my parents were amazing. They supported me in whatever I wanted to do. My dad's only thing was anything you start, you finish. So if I committed to playing hockey, I played that whole year, whether I liked it or not. And I love that because it, it helped me, you know, learn to push through, follow through, uh, commit. And I think the, you know, the acting world requires that because you're going to have a lot of ups and downs. And if you can't commit to get through those, you're going to be pretty hooped. So I'm grateful for that. But yeah, uh, I just, I found sports was the first avenue that I could pursue with a, a modicum of success. And I ended up playing professional volleyball over in Europe. And it was, uh, you know, at that time, that was the dream come true was to play a sport I loved for crazy thing called money and um and be in a foreign country it was just unbelievable yeah how like, how fun was it and what country did you play at i played out in a team in holland and how fun was it it was like i played for the university of calgary and we used to have this uh tournament called the dino cup and we'd bring the two best u.s teams up to play us and one other solid or the next best canadian team and tsn covered it and it was you know we're like holy smokes tsn and uh we'd get 500 to a thousand people in the seats watching. And when I played in Holland, we'd get 5,000 for a regular season game wow. just to show up and hang out. And it was just a total shift and then playoffs and whatever it was up to like 10, 12,000. It's just a whole other world. And you just, I know it's kind of neat because for your ego, you kind of feel like a rock star. You're playing on a team all pushing for the same goal. And there's people actually there cheering you on. Yeah. How, like, so how did you end up in Holland for volleyball? It's funny. It's almost like an audition process. You, uh, I, I had a crack with the national B team here and the tryouts, and, and I got some good footage from my university days because they filmed a lot of the games. And you send over pretty much an audition tape. And they're only allowed, uh, well, back when I played, they're only allowed two foreign prospects on each team. So you're vying for the two spots for the foreign prospects, and they do it off the tape. So they know your specs, your height, your weight. Uh, your accolades, your accomplishments, and then they watch your tape and go, yeah, that guy. And then they come over and obviously it doesn't work out. You get a plane ticket home, but luckily I got to stick around. Yeah, that's great. So do you think uh, by having a sports career, uh, it helped you with the acting world? I, I absolutely think there's a lot of crossover. You know, the sporting career gave me a sense of uh, a work ethic and professionalism that I want to bring to everything I do and help me learn to be a part of a team and pursue a goal but also you know strangely it helped me with another aspect of the industry that i was very fortunate to fall into which was stunts uh i'd start to get characters where they'd have a, a stunt involved and they they knew that i'd had a professional sports career they're kind of like hey would you mind if we beat the snot out of you um on camera not just in general and uh we'll pay you extra for it because it's a stunt how do you feel and i was like oh my yes please so it turned out that uh, I started to do enough of my own character stunts that I got uh, enough respect in the stunt industry, which is very clicky for a very good reason. It's a extremely demanding uh, world where you need to be able to and be willing to do things that actors couldn't, wouldn't, or shouldn't do. And uh, I had the good fortune to win over enough uh, stunt coordinators to get to have a career in the stunt world and enjoy that aspect of the industry that I never, you know, I never even thought happened and it was all because of the professional sports experience my 
acting ability and my, my willingness to, to do whatever's asked of me. That's great. Now, uh, was there a specific movie or TV show that you watched one day and you decided you wanted to get into acting? Like, how did that happen? Well, I think my brother and I have always, even when we were kids in the, you know, playing out in the forest, we were creating movies like, okay, you're this guy and I'm this guy and here's our mission. And we're like a lot of Star Wars influence back in the day in Indiana Jones and all the kind of neat otherworldly stuff. We try and create our own worlds. My brother and I always wanted to be actors without even maybe knowing it when we were younger, what to call it. Um, but after, after my volleyball career ended, my brother was starting a photographic uh, company out of the resort islands of Australia on the far north Queensland. And he called him and said, hey, come join me. I heard you retired. Let's, let's do this thing. And we were going to become autonomous from this company that he was building, take the profits, if there were any, hopefully, and make movies and just start our own little creative adventure. Um, didn't actually take place. I wound up heading over to England and uh, doing the hard yards of auditioning and getting an agent getting a part, getting a better agent, better auditions, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, yeah, the, the dream has always been there. So the first movie that I can remember uh, where I was completely enthralled and thought, I want to play in that world was, as, as I sit here and talk to you now, was Blade Runner. Wow. Harrison Ford. Yeah. Oh, that guy's a legend. And I love his story, too. I mean, he didn't start telling you as much later. And neither did I. I didn't start acting until I was 30. One, thirty, thirty-one. Wow. Well, so, it, it, how uh, how long were you in England for? I put in uh, just over four years. Wow. In the UK, and uh, it was amazing because I got to fall on my face in a foreign country where I didn't think it would have much of a. It wouldn't follow me as much to back to Canada or back to North America. And I mean falling my face because I really didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I said I wanted to be an actor, but I had no idea. I hadn't studied in, in school. I wasn't in the drama club. I, I didn't do any of those things. I was an athlete, and I, and I pursued that fully. I think for, that's a performance element, but I didn't study what you, the aspects of acting that you needed to know what I was doing going in as cold as I did. So, yeah, I fell on my face a lot. So you did most but of it. was nice because I... Go ahead. Oh, it was just nice for me to know, you know, I walked into my first audition. And they're like, oh, could you slate? I'm like, <clears throat> slate? Is that a, like the rock slate? I'm sort of confused. Sorry. They're like, oh, God. <laughs> Say your name to the camera, please. Could you stand on your mark? Uh, who's Mark? You know, like I just, yeah, it was awful. I had no, no idea. Zero. And uh, just a love and passion and, uh, you know, the professional sports mentality of go for it get it done figure it out find a way now while you were in london and then you took a you went from london back to canada is that what it was yeah yeah i went uh after the experiences i i was fortunate to have in the uk i came back to canada with those under my belt and the confidence to uh attack an acting career in north america what how would you describe the difference between like trying it out in london and then returning to canada and the u.s There was a lot of differences uh, when I came home. Like I didn't in the UK, I, I was the one who sounded funny. I had the accent. Uh, I a lot of the roles I had to go out for were the American characters because I hadn't even studied or tried to do accent. Um, so coming home, I, I sounded like everybody else. That was a good start. 
and then I had some experience under my belt, so I knew what I wanted to do and how I was going to go about achieving it. For me in the UK, it was an adventure. To be honest, it was just a straight-up adventure. I'm going to see what this has to offer. I'm going to be fearless and be willing to fall on my face, knowing that there's an end game of achieving enough of an awareness to come home and uh, be a few rungs up on the ladder, so to speak, and, and start here. So you've done theater, film, and TV. What uh, do you did you enjoy doing theater, or do you enjoy like TV or movies more? I hope I, you know, my, my thespian friends don't frown, but I, I, I love TV and film more. Uh, I, I, I love theater. It's hard. It's a labor of love, and it's hard to make a living at it. And you're supposed to do what scares you. I, and I've always, every teacher I've ever had says do the thing that scares you the most and theater scares me. And I did do it for that reason. And I found an unbelievable joy and I couldn't believe the immediate response to, you know, when you finish a play, that immediate reaction to your efforts um, was intoxicating. But the draw I've always had is to the, the film and TV world for sure. So uh, after returning to Canada and U S do you remember what was the first gig that you got? In Canada? Yeah. My first ever gig was playing Osiris in a show called MythQuest. And <laughs> I had to wear a, a, a skull cap and be bald. And they had to gaff quat this horrible, thick, evil stuff that pins your hair to your head like a metal helmet. It was awful. Wow. But uh, I was just like, oh, my gosh, I'm acting. I'm getting paid to do something I love. Yeah, so I, was ha- yeah I was happy to be glued. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, you've done like numerous appearances on shows. What were, what were some of your, like your favorites? You know, I read like you did, you know, Stargate, you did Smallville, uh, you've done the Muppets. Uh, yeah. Like what are some of your favorites that you've done? Uh, wow. That's a big question. I, I love, there's, there's very few that I haven't had that, that moment on the set where I go, this is the greatest job in the whole world. But uh, yeah, Muppets was pretty crazy because, Kirk Thatcher was the director. He's hilarious. And he was supportive of me um, playing around with the comedic element of the character and, and just being able to have fun and goof around. Yeah. And being around the Muppets, the guys who do what they do, oh, it's just, it's insane. It's such a brilliant art form and they are brilliant at it. The guy who plays Peppy the Prawn, he stays in character between takes and I, I wound up like makeup would have to come in and wipe the laughter tears off my face before the next take he's just brilliant really um i did it oh yeah just genius and then uh, i did a, a web series called divine the series and i really had hoped that was a camera prospect shoot where they were trying to get to you know they put out the notion of what the show would be in a in a six-part web series hoping that it would be picked up for tv and i know that the guys who did that had such an amazing story prepared for that that i was excited for that to have a chance to be told it was a great experience to do it um but i just feel like that was one of those opportunities that i wish it had more legs to take it farther because the the character and the story were just amazing so now recently you started in the the descendants three which and you've also appeared in the last two that also came out for disney uh could you imagine like did you even imagine that this would have been this big of a hit I, I couldn't imagine, no, I couldn't imagine where we've arrived now. Uh, I know when I first arrived on the first movie and saw the unbelievable, like the, the color of the, 
sets and the wardrobe were just phenomenal. Disney was definitely going to be backing this project. You could tell by just the costumes and sets alone. And then you add Kenny Ortega, who is a master, an absolute master of the musical and a fantastic director. And then I meet the cast of these kids who are other world, like otherworldly talented. They can sing, they can dance, they can act. They have chops for days. It just all came together. And then the music, it's catchy. It's fun. And the messages under the underlying messages for these movies of inclusion and standing up for others and acceptance and basically the overall idea and notion of love. It, it works. It came together and it worked. And I knew when we finished that first one that we had done something pretty special and I was grateful to be a part of it, but I had no idea that we'd end up where we are today. Now, for the listeners that don't know, can you just tell us a little bit what the movies are about? Uh, the Disney Descendants movies? They're, yeah. they're about, yeah, those movies are about uh, four villain kids. They're the uh, offspring of the classic evil characters. They're stuck on the Isle of the Lost because they've been separated because of their history and, and the stigma attached to their parents, etc. And we're play Beast and Beast and Belle have put a barrier around them to keep Oridon where we live safe for all the quote unquote good characters and uh, they invite these first four villain kids VKs over to come and try and see if we can work out and bridge that, that barrier between the two islands and uh, it just it, it dabbles in the notions of preconceived ideas of others and judgments and how don't judge a book by its cover. And it's just a wonderful way for us to address, I guess, like I said, the overall encompassing idea of finding love and free from judgment. Yeah. So that, you know, like, I guess, does that help? Is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like, so do you remember auditioning for the, for the first movie? And, and like, how did it go? Like, did you know you were auditioning for the beast when you went in there? Yeah, I did know I was auditioning for The Beast. Uh, I had just come off another project, and I found out from my agent, like, hey, I'm trying to get you in. They've, they've had a few rounds trying to find their beast. They, they haven't been successful yet. This is the last session they're doing. Um, I'm going to get you in there. I know it's, you don't have much turnaround to prep it, but you should you know, get your poop together and get in there. So I, I was just coming off the project which is, is, I enjoy that because there's a confidence and a, and a peace of mind knowing that you can do something well enough for somebody to hire you. Yeah. But I think I went into that audition going, I'm going to have some fun and a sense of play because to play Beast, a classic character, uh, an, a longstanding classic character for Disney, that could be really intimidating. But I... I just went, okay, I'm gonna, I'll read the script, and I said, I'm going to just find the elements of play, it's Disney, that I can bring to this character and see what happens. Yeah. And I was very fortunate because there were the, I think Kenny Ortega was in there, so too was uh, a few other producers. And, yeah, they just, I think they, they liked my size and stature for a king. And then they, I think they appreciated some of the comedic elements that I brought in that audition, not that they necessarily came through to the film, but just to see that I had a sense of play. I mean, these are really playful movies. Yeah. 
So how did you like prepare for the role on such a short time before going in there? What kind of did you do any research or anything? Well, yeah, I mean, I grew up with Disney, and I grew yeah. up with the character Beast. I knew what that classic character was about. But by then, um, I was a father. I am a father. And I knew that this was the fatherly character for the film. Uh, and the, the sides, the audition sides, the piece that, that I was meant to prepare, had a small element of uh, father in it, which I felt really ready to do. And then it had another element of this King Beast being a bit of a, you know, Beast not being this big, giant, fearful thing, but the, a real and accessible uh, character because they had this levity and this humor in the scene that I read for. So I just, my preparation was to maintain that fatherly awareness that I have of, from being a father and not give up the sense of play that I have knowing that I, I mean, I love making people laugh. I, I'm addicted to it don't always get it right but i love trying and i just went in there with that element of honor the character honor the scene be a father and have some fun yeah. uh, how long did it take you to get into the costume of that like how, what kind of preparation was there for you to be like the full beast well our costumes were spectacular as you as you can see on the film uh the, the sometimes the beauty of the costume is that it informs the character and when we got to put on these regal outfits, it you felt like a king. Uh, so I think the outfits actually in, more helped me become the character than uh, me putting on an outfit to become the character. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah those are really those those costumes were really brilliant, beautiful, bright, colorful, and they informed me for me. Wow. wow. Now, do, do you have like a uh, a favorite scene or moment on set that you can share with the listeners? For me, a lot of the, my favorite moments are behind the scenes. They're off camera. It's these kids. It was unbelievably tragic, the, the loss of Cameron Boyce. But I remember that unbelievably talented young man would just pick up a guitar and start singing. Yeah. And I, I'd just be mesmerized. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. I can barely get my phone to play music. So when somebody picks up a guitar and starts singing and I get lost in his voice, I just... I'm grateful for that moment. And then some of the dancers, the, there was a massive number of background dancers. They would just start kind of like they do a circle and guys would jump in and do their thing. And I was just caught standing there wide-eyed, dropped jaw, just blown away by the talent that I was fortunate to be a part of. Wow. Yeah. And then sitting around, like sitting around hearing these young kids, I felt like I got to become set dad. Yeah. You know, I was the, the, the dad character and they, you know, I guess I wasn't too much of a nerd. I guess I had enough cool left in me to be able to hang around with these kids and, and listen to them. And, you know, you yeah. know, it's always my fear. My kids, I can't wait for that day when my kids are like, Dad, you're you're a nerd. Can you not stand that close to me? <laughs> um, it's common, I can tell. Yeah. But at this moment, with this show, I got to sit in there. Like, we'd sit on the couches and, and just chat and catch up. And to hear these kids and where they're at in their world and the pressures they have in this unbelievable career uh, the unbelievable career path that they're on it was just fun yeah. it was sharing and it was connected and it wasn't yeah. i don't know it was just included again just like the movies it was inclusive i was i was really grateful to be included in their world yeah. did you ever have to like uh because like one of the questions i ask people is like 
what do you tell people that they want to get into the acting world? Like, what kind of advice do you give like these young kids that are battling battling it out like you do? I. That's a great question. For me, I, I always tell them, you know, I, you're going to have to want this enough to get up one more time than you get knocked down because it's a tough industry. And I also say, don't wait. Do it now. Get get together with friends who want the same thing you do or find out if you have somebody you know who's wanting to be a director or go to a film school and, and ask if you can be in a production and just do it. There's so many avenues and outlets now. When I grew up, we didn't have all the, like your iPhone couldn't make a fantastic movie with special effects. But right now I could, you know, turn on my iPhone and make a pretty solid movie. Yeah. You know, create your own content, get into it, learn by trial and error and go for it. It's amazing how quickly you can throw stuff on YouTube and have views that get you attention that might help you get pushed into the career you're looking to have. Yeah. I know you'll learn by doing, and I think that's just a matter of that's it. Take classes. That's another key thing. Take classes. Be fearless in, the ter- in terms of finding your vulnerability so that you can become the artist you're meant to be. Yeah. And that will take the willingness of falling flat on your face. So if you weren't an actor right now, what do you think you would have been doing? If I wasn't an actor? Yeah. If I wasn't an actor, I feel like I might be a coach. I might have uh, pursued being a coach. I enjoy, uh, I coach my kids now in, in sports that I have enough aptitude in, baseball and hockey. And I, I love seeing kids have those mini revelations with a skill or with a, an aspect of the game. I love seeing them achieve goals that they've set out for themselves and being a part of helping them achieve those goals. So I think I'd, I'd actually, I think I'd be a coach. Nice. Um, do you have like a dream role that you want to play someday? I have a few dream roles I'd love to play someday, but right now I think, you know, a Bruce Willis-esque diehard type aging anti-hero kind of badass <laughs> with some witty with some witty banter and a few explosions on the way would be pretty cool. There you go. <laughs> so uh, where do you see yourself 10 to 20 years from now? Uh, I'm hoping not a wheelchair. Um, I'm going to have to do a little physio, but... Uh, yeah, as I'm getting older here, I want to, 20 years from now. That's some crystal ball right there. <laughs> I would love to I would love to say that I'm still doing what I'm doing in a different capacity with just again age appropriate yeah. age appropriate characters. I do feel like uh, I might be an agent by then. That's interesting. That's like a switch right there. But yeah, yeah you, uh, you, you'll know plenty about the business and you can give people advice and everything. Yeah, I teach an audition class, which is an extremely uh, wonderful experience. It helps me remember what it's all about, get back to the basics. And I love seeing young, fresh talent with passion. It refuels my passion. So I get to see young artists coming up and I, I feel like, I feel that in doing those, classes i start to see i'm like oh that kid's got that thing that that it factor that extra edge that i i love and i love helping him find and and channel that and i feel like if i get to the point where i don't want to be in front of the camera anymore i might go to being an agent to help those kids who do or the younger and older people who get in the industry to, to 
you know, to get in front of the camera themselves. Yeah. So when you when you're auditioning, do you enjoy more more doing it self tape or do you like going in front of people and doing it? I love both. And you mind if I explain why? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I love the, the self-tape I love because you have the chance to put exactly what you want forward. And it's strange because you always think, oh, I'm going to do it. I can do 400 takes and get exactly what I want to send them the character that I've built with all the work that I've done in the prep. And it usually you get it in three takes anyway or two takes, which is nice because you remove that pressure. Again, on the other side of the coin, I love the pressure of going into a room and doing it right then and there. Also, I know that it's my time and space in that room, so if it doesn't quite work out, I will ask to have another go at it because I do want to leave my best hat in the ring before I leave. Yeah. But I love, the, I love the pressure. I love the concept of connecting with somebody right there live because when you're on a set, you have to do it. You can't Well, yeah, I'm not really feeling it today. Can we just come back tomorrow? Um, you got to do it then and there, and that's the, that's the beauty of an audition. They want you to do it then and there. Mm. You got to do your homework, get prepped, and... And when the green, when the light goes green, you go. Yeah. <clears throat> now, um, do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on that you want the fans and the listeners to know about? Well, yeah, I just finished uh, the sequel to Aliens Ate My Homework. It's called Aliens Stole My Body. And I got to resurrect the character, Captain Gracker, who is a heck of a lot of fun, a swashbuckling, borderline competent captain of a, uh, a spaceship. And I love it because it's a show that my kids enjoyed and can watch. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough. You'll know this too with kids. Finding the line of what they can and can't watch. And Anyway, this is one that my kids can watch, so I'm excited for them to see another thing that Dad did. Yeah. And uh, the only thing I will say about that show is it's a five-hour makeup to get into and a two-hour makeup that, for removal. Wow. And uh, I, could give, I could give that a pass, but uh, if that's what it takes to get into the character, that's what it takes. <laughs> so... Some hard yards, but I look forward to the end result. How, how excited do your kids get when they see you on TV? <laughs> oh, man, you're getting all the questions. <laughs> uh, so my kids, I don't know if I've desensitized them, or but sometimes like, oh, hey, guys, there's Dad. They're like, yep, that's Dad. Can I have a sandwich? <laughs> um, I'm like, yeah, but I'm on, Dad worked hard to get on the TV. Okay, yeah, what sandwich do you want? Um, you know, it's it's interesting because it's there it's content so if it's content that they're interested they're blown away they love the disney descendants movies they yeah. watched e3 just the other day for the, like the fourth time no prompting no anything they i just come in and it's on i'm like oh and then i have a big proud smile inside i just kind of quietly creep away and go yes you know yeah. um the aliens ate my homework they enjoy that because there's a fun connected level for their age group for the content that it is but sometimes I, I go, hey, dad, dad did this show. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, good for you, dad. They don't, I don't know. And then getting, they get to go to set. And the other thing that kind of maybe stings my ego just a bit is I go, hey, guys, you want to come to the set, especially for D3 or any of the Disney ones. They come to set and they're like, that's cool, dad. Can we meet Dove? Can we meet Boo Boo? I want to go say hi to Cam. You're like, but I'm okay. Yeah. 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 Of course, it's about the kids. You know, like it makes yeah. sense. But my ego's like, yeah, yeah but you couldn't. Okay. And then the other thing is craft services. They're like, Hey dad, that's awesome. Where's the crafty lady? She gives chocolate. I love her. You know, Yeah, that's, it happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, maybe when they get older, they're still, they'll start to recognize the, 
I mean, it's a tough industry, and I'm really proud of what I've accomplished, and I hope to continue accomplishing yeah. things in this industry. And I, I think as they grow up and they want to achieve things and they, they start realizing how much work and effort it takes to get to those goals, that they might go, hey, Dad, you, you're not as lame as um, I thought. <laughs> Fingers crossed. There you go. Fingers crossed. Uh, lastly, uh, how can the listeners find you on social media? I, uh, I really like Instagram. I think that, so my, I have a, my Instagram and Twitter handle are the same. They're at actor Dan Payne. Um, but I, I love Instagram. So I'm, I'm on Instagram because I find it the easiest to use and I can just, everything I do on Instagram gets shuttled out to the other things automatically, which makes this old technologically challenged guy, um, feel good. <laughs> there you go. Dan. Dan, thanks for coming on. This was a blast. All right, thanks, brother. It was thank you so much. Great questions, and thanks for the conversation, man. You're welcome. But I'm not gonna stop. That's who I am. I'll give it all I got. That is my plan. Will I find what I lost? You know you can. Bet on it, bet on it, bet on it, bet on it. I wanna make it right. That is the way to turn my life around today. Type of guy who means what I say. Better.